This is the post-game podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you all the big match reaction with views from the press box, the dugout and the stands. Hello, it's Paul Wheelock, belated Happy New Year and welcome to the post-game podcast to react to Liverpool's 4-1 win over Aston Villa's kids in tonight's FA Cup third round tie. Two goals from Sadio Mane and one each for Gini Wijnaldum and Mohamed Salah ensured the Reds return to winning ways and book their place in Monday's draw for the fourth and the fifth rounds. But as you'll hear across the course of this podcast, they did not have it all their own way against the Villa side consisting of seven under-23 players and four under-18s after the club's entire first team squad went into isolation after a significant coronavirus outbreak. We'll be hearing from four of our regular fan callers, Alex Watts, Mark Baker, Matt Whitty and Owen Thomas, who are all on excellent form. So please stick around to hear what they have to say. But we'll start at Villa Park with the verdict of the Liverpool Echo's chief LFC writer, Ian Doyle, and then Jurgen Klopp's short post-match press conference. You'll hear about three minutes of Jürgen and to be perfectly honest, the audio is not great at all due to a problem at the Villa end. But as I say, do hold on for the thoughts of the Liverpool fans who have called into the show. But we'll start with Ian Doyle. Well, it's all over here at Villa Park where Liverpool have got through to the fourth round of the FA Cup. They've beaten Aston Villa 4-1. Seems a comfortable victory, of course, but anybody who watched the game will know that it was anything but Aston Villa were without their first team squad. Not only that, but they're also without their first team coaching staff and a a number of their leading under-23 players because of the coronavirus outbreak that's affected the club uh, during the week. And so Liverpool were up against uh, an, a combined under-18 and under-23 team. And to be perfectly honest, the fact that the scoreline at half-time was one all underlined basically everything that had uh, gone on in the first half. Liverpool took the lead after four minutes, across from Curtis Jones to Sadio Mane, headed in. Seemed as though that would be set the tone for the game. But while Gini Wijnaldum missed a chance shortly, uh, shortly after that, um, Liverpool just were kind of stymied by, hampered by the problems that have affected them over the festive period. You think against West Bromwich Albion, against Newcastle and against Southampton, they haven't created enough chances. And the same thing has happened again against a team that has been cobbled together within 36 hours notice from Villa, who did themselves great credit throughout the game. And they were level at half-time when uh, Callum Rowe got the ball in midfield, played a, uh, Liverpool played a high line all the way through the game. Uh, but this pass from Rowe got through... Uh, beat Reese Williams was beaten in a foot, foot race by Louis Barry who then went on and uh, took the ball away Barry was uh, very briefly on the books of Barcelona he's only 17 he started at West Brom and then he he went to Barcelona he such as his talent it didn't quite work out for him last year he came back to the Midlands and he scored the goal here but Liverpool they could bring on a former Barcelona player of their own in uh, Thiago Alcantara he came on at half time for Jordan Henderson that was a pre-arranged substitution Henderson to be perfectly honest hadn't had a very good uh, first half and too often gave the ball away which was kind of symptomatic of Liverpool's display where it was wasn't very convincing at all but once Thiago was on he was pulling the strings and began to uh Began to, to began to run the show basically, with uh, he was putting in these, these small passes and Liverpool were finding gaps in the Aston Villa backline. Obviously the the youngsters they began to tire a little bit. They'd not been up against such a, a standard of opposition before, but they they can you know as I say they can hold their heads high. They did themselves proud, but the longer that the half went on, the more that Liverpool began to dominate. I think by the end of the game they'd had 84% possession and uh, Thiago was key to that in the, in the second half. I mean the the equaliser came up. Uh, sorry, not the equaliser, but the the goal that put Liverpool back ahead head on 60 minutes that was through uh, Gini Wijnaldum uh, it was a uh, Salah burst into the box off the right laid off by Minamino who was 
not particularly great, didn't have a good game, but his one good contribution was the layoff for Wijnaldum, who side-footed in from just inside the area. That made it 2-1, and in the end, three goals in five second-half minutes. The second, both both of the uh, third and the fourth came from the same combination. It was Thiago played a short pass to Shakiri. First goal, he crossed it in, and Sadio Mane uh, nodded, nodded home. It's uh, second goal of the game, a looping header that went over the Aston Villa goalkeeper, Adoni, and... Um, then it was the turn of uh, Shakiri to feed Mohamed Salah, who uh, turned and shot into the bottom corner. Interesting was that whenever Liverpool scored, there wasn't really much celebration. I think they knew that this was a game that they just—it was kind of getting the job done. And in that sense, they won four-one. In the end, it was fairly comfortable. Nobody got injured. You know, there was a good minutes for the likes of you know Nico Williams did okay. He played the full ninety minutes. James Milner. He played at left back. Uh, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain came on for the the last half hour. Uh, Dibika Rigi came on towards the end as well. I mean, there weren't many performances that stood out for Liverpool. As I say, Thiago and Shaqiri were two that certainly did. Um, and Sadio Mane, as well as his two goals, he was the one Liverpool forward who looked as though he was actually capable of, you know, of causing causing a problem. But in the end, this was just a game that Liverpool just had to to get through. They'll uh, hopefully they'll. You know, not dwell on this too much. You know, they got through to the fourth round, and they can look ahead now to the game against Manchester United on Sunday week in the Premier League, where they could easily by then, because obviously United are playing against Burnley midweek, they could be trailing the the, the bitter northwest rivals by then. But um, as I say, Thiago was the probably the one well, the one standout for for Liverpool in that second half, with the way that he played and the fact that two of the goals came through him, and uh, he's basically put himself forward to basically start the game against Manchester United next week. Uh, Jürgen, first of all, uh, tell us your thoughts on the performance tonight and also the challenge that Aston Villa presented for you. That's the same, pretty much. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, uh, the boys did really well. The kids um, of Aston Villa did really well, so we organised all that stuff that was clear. Um, we scored an early goal, nice one, um, and then we didn't play quick enough anymore, didn't move fast enough, didn't um, play the right spaces. That's, um, these are football problems, and we, we solved the football problems with football in the second half. So I'm, I'm really fine with it. It uh, was a, a tricky one. I had never before this kind of challenge in my life that you have no idea who you're playing against, absolutely no idea, uh, that you prepare a meeting and then you can throw all the preparation, all the videos in the bin, and then you have to start new. But it's football, and um, academy players are good players. And uh, last year we played here with our kids. And they gave Festival a proper game as well. That's just how it is. Um, these young kids are, can all play football. And if you don't play well against them, you have problems. Um, so, second half, we, we played exactly like we should have played from the beginning. And um, that's why we won them really. um, uh, the right way. Just two things to check with you as well, Jürgen. Given the circumstances surrounding the game, did you have any reservations at all about playing the game? And also with Hendo having to go off at half, or going off at half time, was there a problem there at all? I don't know. Hendo and, and Thiago was clear before the game that they do it like this, 45-45. Um, absolutely no problem. About, and um, no, no reservation. So the, the trust authorities, um, we, we, we had our test results came back yesterday as well. So everybody was negative. So um, And then... They did what they what they thought is right with the U23s. They got tested. We got the, their results this morning. I think at ten o'clock, when we were on the car park on the on the, air, on the airport, and um, so then everything is fine. Thank you, Jürgen. Well done tonight. Thank you. Okay, video.
Can we go next, please? Hi, Jürgen. <laughs> yeah, and ask you why uh, why you started him on the left and Mane in the middle rather than the other way around, and and also uh, on his performance in general. I was a little bit, we, we trained it like this and we, we, we prepared it for, for Aston Villa first team and we wanted Sadio much more um, keeping the center halves together very much, offering and, 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 and being a threat in behind the last line and using Taki actually defensively, offensively completely on his position between the lines um, on a rather 10 position with slightly more on the left side, that's all. Um, but then obviously they did, did change, but Sadio can play. Uh, the position Taki can play the, the other position as well because there's not a lot of there's not a big change for him. He's just an offensive player and uh, and can move in his comfortable area. The post game podcast on the Blood Red Channel. I think Jurgen was happy for a short press conference there and to get out of Villa Park with the job done. But what did our fan callers make of it? Well, Alex Watts wonders why the game even went ahead in the first place, while Mark Baker focuses on two pre-match problems he believes reared the head once again and the performance of one of Liverpool's substitutes in particular. Hello, Alex Watt from Did It Cross The Line podcast. Uh, that was all really silly, wasn't it? Um <laughs> 4-1. Friday night FA Cup football, you've got to love it. Um, Honestly, I'm wondering at this point if there'll ever be a normal football match between these two teams. Obviously, last time in the FA Cup, we had to play the under-23s. And now this time, they had to because of this COVID outbreak. Um, It's nothing quite like the magic of the Cup where... Every season, apparently, either Villa or Liverpool have to scramble just to get a team together to actually fulfil the fixture. But on a serious note first, like, this match should not have gone ahead tonight. Just like Liverpool's FA Cup match against them last season shouldn't have gone ahead. You know, just postpone it. (laughs) You know, even more so with this match, you're turning the season into a bit of a farce with stuff like this. There's... There's been a literal COVID outbreak and you're forcing a team to play on with their kids. Like, it's not a good look. And I don't think it's likely that the season doesn't at least get paused in the next week or two, to be honest, when you're looking at games like this. It's ludicrous, you know, when a website can't actually list Villa's team because they're so young and... You know, not one of them had ever made a first team start. Their parents dropped some of them off for the game because they're too young to drive. It's all a bit mad and it felt like Jurgen Klopp didn't care, did he? He came for blood. He came for revenge um, after the game last season and I guess the 7-2 as well because the lineup he picked was, was brutal and the Villa kids lined up before the match and... The commentators were obviously talking about what an experience it was going to be for these youngsters. But honestly, they looked terrified Um, and you you couldn't really blame them. It all started as you'd expect. You know, Sadio Mane scored in the first few minutes and it looked like this was going to be a cricket score. But then to their credit, Villa, the Villa kids really settled into the game well. They didn't let their heads drop after going 1-0 down. They defended well their keeper was brilliant to be fair and they got their reward when Barry broke through he got the equaliser and by the way you know that goal is going to be on 
every magic of the cup montage for the rest of time now. Um, and I saw a lot of Liverpool fans online um, melting down basically at half time. And we were pretty poor in the first half, you know, after the goal. We were very plodding. We lacked cutting edge again. And it is a bit worrying in the grand scheme of things because this is what the fourth poor performance in a row from Liverpool. But also you've got to see the funny side a little bit. Like we, we follow football because it's fun and the whole thing was, was pretty ridiculous. Like it's it was almost like an old school Liverpool performance where you saw like the top players struggling against a weakened side in a cup competition. Like it reminds me of my younger days supporting Liverpool, <laughs> to be honest. But also you've got to have confidence that these players would come out and do exactly what they did in the second half when inevitably, you know, the Aston Villa side were going to tire after an hour because the fitness levels and the quality is going to show eventually. Like, obviously, a young side's going to be massively up for it in the first half and go for it as much as they can and enjoy the experience. But once it gets to the second half, and yes, (laughs) we shouldn't need to bring on... Tiago and Shakiri and Firmino to do it but it, it was kind of inevitable obviously the fact you can bring on a player like Tiago Alcantara again shows the difference but shows like how ludicrous the game actually was um because Tiago Alcantara running the show against some lads who probably haven't even done their GCSEs yet is is a bit silly but you know I guess the positive side is Tiago getting minutes so he can run the show against Man United next weekend. That's what I'm taking from this anyway. And I don't know if the performance bodes well for the Man United game. It it probably doesn't, but you've got to enjoy the ride a little bit because it was just a bizarre experience all round in the end. Hopefully a lot of listeners had a laugh. (laughs) And let's hope the team does come out on the back of this a bit more organised and a bit more back to their best next time out against Man United. But, yeah, it was fun. <laughs> Cheers of the Reds. Mark Baker reflecting on Aston Villa versus Liverpool in the FA Cup. So Liverpool, for me, have had two big problems going into the game. And they were in the, the attacking third, the fact that the team were not creating great opportunities for all the territorial advantage they were, they were accumulating, such as in the opposition box, that kind of thing. Bad decision-making, bad choice selection, whether that be a shot, final pass, poor weight of pass, failing to find teammates in advantageous areas once they were in really potentially dangerous situations. And the second one being the thing they've struggled with, obviously, since losing their better players in the defensive third is not being able to handle moments that the opposition get in the game and a handful of moments that every opposition seems to get in Liverpool's um, fixtures that they play, whether that be a set play or whether that be individualised duels or mistakes made by players in their defensive third. And both reared their head again in the first half in which Liverpool really struggled in the final third to, again, don't get me wrong, I mean, the goalkeeper's made one tremendous save from, especially from the the rebound, magnificent save. However, in general, I believe that all of the things that I just talked about that Liverpool have been struggling with in the final third, 
were apparent again. And bear in mind, obviously, they're playing against an under-18 side. They're going to dominate possession more than they will in any other fixture that they ever play. And don't get me wrong, that brings its problems in terms of having a lot of bodies behind the ball, but such is the gulf in terms of physicality and technical ability between the two sides. You would always expect them to create more. And I think it'll be a concern to Klopp. There'll be no doubt that that trend carried on. And then, obviously, Aston Villa had one major opportunity, well, you wouldn't even call it an opportunity, the player got his head up, could pick out a pass, and Rhys Williams was far too squared in his body shape. And far too close to his attacker, which meant Louis Barry's intelligent movements and spinning in behind got him into a fantastic position. And whether or not Rhys Williams goes on to play at the highest level in the future, I think one thing's for certain at this moment in time, he really lacks that speed of recovery, that's acceleration over distance. And once Barry had got into that area, he was never going to catch him. And I think the concern is, again, them moments are not being managed nowhere near well enough by inexperienced player in the position. And obviously this is a player who's being preferred to uh, a slightly older version in, in that Phillips. So it shows you sort of where Liverpool are and where them players are thought of. Obviously the fact that Jordan Henderson, the central midfield player, played in the role against Southampton shows that there's massive there's a massive worry in that I'm not telling anyone anybody anyone anything they didn't already know. And again, we just wait to see if there will be a solution coming in terms of the transfer market. We know that Liverpool would have to sell a player as well to be able to acquire one from Europe because the quota of European players is full at this moment in time. And the way Klopp manages, you would not be surprised to see him try and see out the period. Obviously, Matip really touch and go, I believe, for Manchester United. And that could well define not only Manchester United's game, but his fitness define the rest of Liverpool's season for me. That's how big it is. But we know that Klopp isn't one to make uh, quick reactions in the transfer market, so we'll wait and see. But there's no doubt the other options uh, are not convincing, neither to the manager or to the, the view and eye when you watch them. And every other team in the division will know it in the top division. So, so the two things you'd be concerned about going in were apparent again. Obviously, in the second half, a combination of things. Liverpool having so much sheer quality compared to the opponents and the opponents being physically drained in terms of never having played at that level and tempo before and probably had to play as long without the ball as, as ever in their, in their young football and participation lives. And so it became much much easier for Liverpool and they were always going to carve out the chances to win the game. So I don't think you can take a great deal from it, obviously, Thiago coming on, fantastic footballer, although what I would say, you don't learn nothing about him in a, a non, non-competitive game in which he's, he's basically got the time and space to do what you like. The fact of the matter is you'll see his qualities and just how valuable and how different he can make Liverpool when it comes to really top fixtures, starting obviously with Manchester United in the next game. But I think the other thing for me to come out of the game was Jadon Shaqiri. I've always rated him. I think he's a fantastic little footballer great intelligence and offers something that the rest of the Liverpool squad don't in them attacking positions in the final third that he can really see moving targets. He's a provider of the final pass. He does have imagination and guile in his delivery, whether that be from a set play or the ability to pass between his lines and break lines in that in congested areas. And I believe that as Liverpool go on in the season to play against teams who are going to sit deep and inferior teams who are going to allow Liverpool the ball. I do believe there needs to be a change to try and accommodate him and get him more minutes on the pitch. 
Obviously, we know that Liverpool's system does not suit Shaqiri in terms of a 4 3 3. He's not a player who's going to play out wide and stretch the play. And therefore, you'd like to see it, maybe a change and in, in him coming on in, in a 4 2 3 1 system in which he could play off the right hand side. The positions change of the front three for me and all become the 10 with Salah being the 9 and, and obviously Manny off the left. So I'd really see, like to see that take place. And then obviously, hopefully, Thiago can stay fit as one of the two midfield players. And you've actually got a few other players who can potentially break down them tight and compact distances between units of sides who are inferior and are going to allow Liverpool the ball. So I'd really like to see that going forward. Uh, today, though, it didn't really fill me with confidence to see Liverpool's two main worries rear the heads again. So in the end, they got through. But I think... I think the issues are still very much there. The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel. Thanks to Mark and Alex there. And thanks to everyone who has filled in our Blood Red Podcast census. If you haven't, the link is in the description for this podcast. And we very much appreciate it if you could spare a few minutes of your time to fill it out. Now I'll hand you over to Matt Whitty, who gives a succinct summary of tonight's action. And then Owen Thomas, who in troubled times ensures we end this podcast on an upbeat note. Thanks as always for joining us and take care. Well, Liverpool through to the fourth round of the FA Cup after a 4-1 win at Villa Park against a very, very, very young Aston Villa team after there was an outbreak of COVID at Villa Park. Um, Some um, similarities with the... League Cup game last winter when uh, we uh, we were forced to play an extremely young team against Villa and I guess kind of similar outcome in that uh, the younger team um, emerged with a lot of pride, a lot of credit, uh, but ultimately uh, lost fairly fairly heavily. So yeah, today uh, through it was uh, looked like it was just going to be a pretty routine win after Mane scored um, following a brilliant cross from Curtis Jones and a really good header from. Mane after after four minutes looked like it was going to be a yeah kind of a an easy 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 win really but uh, didn't really play out like that the uh, the Villa keeper was excellent particularly in the first half with a, a string of really really smart saves to to keep the score level and then five minutes before half time um, a couple of nice passes that broke through the press um, there was obviously our our high line was really high I think all of the uh, the back four were perfectly aligned but only about a foot inside our half. And the young lad Barry broke through the broke through the line, um, outpaced uh, Reese Williams, and then finished smartly beyond Kelleher to uh, to equalise. And you could see how 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 delighted uh, Barry was. And uh, yeah, they, they they must have been really really pleased to make it to half time at one all. And all credit to them. Uh, second half, um, they just looked uh, they just looked knackered. We were uh, we were passing it around a little bit. Uh, more quickly, um, I think Thiago um, coming on. I thought he had a really, really good second half. I thought his passing was just—he was just always looking for those dangerous passes over the top, through legs, round the corner, little touches. He just—he uh, was just—he uh, was just—it uh, was just a very classy performance, and I thought it really made a difference to our to our passing. And ultimately, a, a five-minute spell um, finished them off really um, with uh, with three quick goals, and that was uh, that was that really in there sort of a. Um, couldn't really get, uh, couldn't really add add to that in the remaining uh, the remaining twenty twenty five minutes. But uh, yeah, I'll take that all day. We're through, and uh, yeah, into the draw for Monday. So let's hope Peter Crouch pulls out a good draw for us. Hello, this is Owen from Cop On Podcast. That was fun in the end, wasn't it? 
Liverpool saw that banana skin on the floor in front of them, stepped on it anyway, embarrassingly skidded across the polished parquet towards the exit door, only to swing around and tap dance their way up the stairs towards the FA Cup penthouse, hoping that no one had noticed. There was cause for much optimism once more, basically because of one man, Tiago Alcantara, the best player ever. Chadan Shakiri, the power cube, is not far behind him. Nico Williams deserves great praise for his endeavour. Jeannie Vinealdum has conquered all of Europe and is never going to stop, while James Milner is as evergreen as he is cabbage-looking. That positive winning feeling is priceless in the midst of a worsening pandemic, so thank you so much to the Liverpool team. And of course, if I had a cap, I would doff it in the direction of Aston Villa, whose kids all deserve an extra cookie before bedtime tonight. There is something very gratifying about watching underdogs battle for their lives in the right spirit, and each Villa player did their club proud tonight. I send all their players and staff affected by COVID-19 and anybody else out there the very best of wishes, and I hope that whoever you are, dear listener, you can take heed of this latest outbreak and do the right thing. Listen to the real experts, wear masks, keep your distance, wash your hands and all that good stuff. You're a bozo if you don't. Manchester United play Burnley in the week. I shall be watching that eagerly, hoping that Sean Dyche can ruffle a few Mohicans before Liverpool cut United to ribbons on the 17th of January. There's a lot to look forward to. This is Owen from Cop On Podcast, walking on with hope in his heart, and I heartily recommend that you do the same. All the best. Up the Reds. You've been listening to the Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel.